So if you had access to a holodeck and you could program it and you could make like a whole kind of like set up world kind of similar to to the way that they do in this episode, what would you what would you use it for? What would you Oh boy. Um I mean that's the question, right? Is if if there were a holodeck, would anybody ever actually do anything in the real world? Well, uh, I guess I, I think I was thinking about that because maybe you ran into this too as a fellow person who grew up in homeschooling circles. But like, did you know a lot of people? They would just kind of like talk about all the time about how like they would love to live in an earlier time. Like I, I knew some, really? I knew a couple people. I knew a couple people who like really thought it'd be super cool to live in uh, pioneer times. And I would always think to we, myself, we run in different circles. <laughs> Well, okay. I feel like that's the thing, but in some, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I had interesting a slightly more kind of like quiverful. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know any actual quiverful people, but like maybe a little closer to that uh, ideology uh, of some people who I knew than you did. But I would, people would say that to me, and I'd always think to myself, "That sound you would die really young, probably. You get like cholera." Yeah, right. and, yeah, there's a reason that we that we don't live like that anymore. I, I guess that all to say is that the titular Fairhaven of this episode, I think, is. Is interesting, but not necessarily. It's one of those things where I don't really have a lot of romance for like the idea of going back like a long time in history to like nineteenth century Ireland. Yeah, it's just not my thing. Anyway. Hi, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen parts of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard, and I'm Brady Jungle. And uh, this episode, we are talking about the Voyager episode uh, from Season 6, Number 11, which is called Fairhaven. The synopsis on uh, Memory Alpha is, The crew relaxes in Paris' latest holodeck creation, an idealized 19th century Irish village where Captain Janeway falls in love with a holographic character. Paris being Tom Paris, not the uh, city of Paris. Right. Uh, so that I mean that that is a very apt description of this episode because there's, or I guess there there is something else that's happening outside of the ship outside of the holodeck. But yeah, there's it's one of those nice sort of matter. general. And Voyager may do this more than any other show where it's just like there's a vague space anomaly going on outside that is sort of driving the story a little bit or existing as the, at the same time as the story so that it is still Star Trek. Um, like the other, and I think it was another holodeck episode too, was, wasn't it that we watched the Voyager that ha- had a very similar thing? One of the seven of nine ones where there was just a, some yeah. sort of ion storm or space. Yeah. But it was really about how she was like in the holodeck running these, how to be human simulations. And yeah. then it kind of, that was affecting her work and her work was just something. It was just, <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a space problem. Um, yeah, that you're too tired to work on. So. And I feel like this is a a similar a similar type of thing where there's a space storm. It's a neutronic wave front. Which I did. There's there's one scene where I wrote down uh, how much nautical lingo can can Janeway fit into one scene where they're looking at the storm and she just pulls out like everything she can where they are going to drop anchor and batten down the hatches and a couple other things where it's just kind of nautical like metaphors for for what they're going to do with the space storm yeah um and essentially that's why 
everybody's spending more time in the holodeck to kind of relax while while they're surviving this stressful space situation. Uh, so this this episode mostly takes place in the holodeck in this um, these fictional uh, 19th century Irish town called Fairhaven that has been programmed by uh, Tom Paris, who, as we've seen from our previous Voyager episode, he knows all about programming uh, <laughs> right. holodeck, holodeck uh, creations. So uh, he uh, basically just wants it to be like this relaxing place. And so the cold open is there's no conflict in the cold open. It's just like him and Harry Kim kind of just like walking around, talking to people. Harry Kim flirts with this person who uh, Paris says, you know, don't don't talk to her because her dad is mean or something. I don't know. And then and then the doctor is is riding a bicycle and he's pretending to be a priest. So yep. this is like that's the weird. That's I think the weirdest part of that this whole Fairhaven setup is that. The doctor seems to both be a participant like the rest of the crew and also a character because he is because a, he is a hologram, a hologram because like it doesn't seem like any, any of the other people who come have actual jobs there. But he is he seems like, yeah, they're all just people just that are visiting the town, the, the priest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that's the end of the cold open. Like there's nothing, nothing, nothing scary happens. Or anything like that. It's right. kind of like. Oh, so nice. And then the cold open ends and the, the theme starts. So uh, I honestly, to be to be frank with you, I found this episode kind of boring, except for two scenes that I just think are like really interesting and strange. Um, OK, uh, I think I know what one of them is. Um, so I, 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 uh, I, I think we can probably speed through the synopsis of this pretty fast and then kind of talk about some of the implications of this episode, which I think are kind of maybe more interesting than the yeah. episode itself. Yeah, so everyone's hanging out in this town, and... This episode, by the way, was written by Robin Berger and Alan Croker. Yeah, shout out. Um, so everyone's hanging out in this town, and Janeway comes... I think it's like her first time coming here? Uh, it's sort of how they make it seem, or maybe not. Well, I think that's actually something that I think is kind of interesting as like a little bit of character work is that it seems like from what I've – the little I've seen of the show, it seems like Janeway kind of has a little bit of a disdain for the holodeck. Like it doesn't seem like she really cares for it or not even – kind of like she has kind of a low-level like I don't even own a TV attitude about the holodeck because not that she necessarily thinks it's bad, but – like you know, in in the in the episode, the previous episode we watched, the holodeck, where uh, Seska has created this kind of this virus in one of the programs, she talks about, oh, it sounds like people are really interested in this in this program, but she never she never tries it herself. She never goes in it. Like everyone else has been like using it, and she has not used it. And then um, in this episode. She comes in and she's not wearing an outfit, and then I think she she's not she's not wearing like a you know period dress, and I think she, even she comes back later, right? And she and she's not wearing a period. She's dress. still in yeah her. Um, and it seems like she kind of like feels embarrassed almost that she's enjoying this this kind of like low form of entertainment almost it seems like which I yeah which I you do get the impression you do get the impression that it's it's something the like she views it as kind of something that the crew do to amuse themselves but you know she has more important things to be concerned with because she's the captain yeah that was like a good piece of characterization because i don't think it's ever really explicitly called out but that's just kind of the vibes i get off of her 
Now, do you think that that attitude is with the kind of the holodeck itself and like the TV or that, or more just that she doesn't feel like she should have just more generally like recreation or time off? I guess that's kind of what I wonder is, does she, is it like a specifically the holodeck or more just that she has this idea that she should be the captain and she should be serious and working all the time and shouldn't be like playing or making light of while there's the serious things going on. Uh, I'm, I guess maybe I just haven't seen enough of the episodes to know for sure. Cause I, I guess I've never really seen her doing very much recreating at all of any kind, but then also there's the scene in this where she talks about how good she is at, um, what is that game that they play? Uh, is it just called rings? Oh, I think it's just called rings. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's, she talks about how good she is at rings. So it, to me, it kind of seemed like it was sort of a, um, like a, a specific disdain, kind of just like a low-level kind of, I'm above this uh, for the holodeck itself. But mm-hmm. maybe it is just kind of like a perils of responsibility thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she she comes into the bar in in Fairhaven in the holodeck, and she meets the bartender there, whose name is Michael Sullivan, mm-hmm. and his name is. Irish guy. Yes. They should have, they should have an O'Sullivan. O'Sullivan, right. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, everyone is, is exactly as stereotypically Irish as they can possibly be in this episode, I feel like. And so she, I think, comes back later to... When she comes in the first time, she's there to tell them that there's a Neutronic Wavefront coming, and so they all have to leave to okay. go work on the actual ship's business. And then, yeah, she comes back later at night, I think still in her uh still in her in her in her uniform yeah because she's like working late and runs into neelix and neelix says maybe you should go relax in fairhaven for a little bit you're under so much stress with this wave front Mm -hmm. um and so she goes back she goes back just in general but he's the only one there in the bar because it's nighttime in the holodeck as well Mm -hmm. yeah and and they kind of arm wrestle and play and play rings and they have tea and she clearly kind of has a crush on on him and it it seems like he has a crush on her uh i mean you know it's a computer program but she leaves after that character's wife um comes in yeah to the bar yeah and he like introduces her to like the wife yeah yeah this is this is what i Based on one of our previous discussions, what yes. I assumed one of the things you wanted to talk about was. Yes. So that she, she leaves, and then the, the, the Wayfriend is, is there, and it basically is potentially hurting the ship, but it's doing okay Yeah, it's now. a very Star Trek-y, everyone's on the bridge, and then they shake the camera around and make some sparks fly. Yep. And everyone kind of holds on to something and rocks back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then after this... There's a, a personal log where she says, oh, the storm's been here for 10 hours, and um, I met this man in the hall in the holodeck, and I liked him, but we weren't totally compatible because he wasn't programmed the way that I wanted him to. And so she goes into like this hologram, the holodeck area and calls up just him specifically. And th- this is one of the two scenes that I was just like, this is... This is nuts. She she calls him up specifically, and she does a bunch of changes to him. So she, it was just really, it's really creepy. Uh, that's how I felt about it. Anyway, what did you? What did you what Where did you she think like of picks that? his exact height and degree of facial hair. Incre- yeah, she says. Yeah, she says increases height by I believe three centimeters. Yeah, um, something very. I feel apparently she has an exact 
the exact height that is her thing. Three centimeters. Um, I think she says like she, she first she says get rid of his facial hair, and then she says no, 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 that's no good. Actually, like two days of facial hair, and then which is like that's the nice thing about him being a hologram is that he can always just have two just have two days of facial hair. Five like, o'clock shadow. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, make him. That was like one of the weirder things about it is that she wanted to make him smarter, but still not as smart as her. It seemed like because I think she tells him to. Yeah, because she was a little. It almost seemed like a little annoyed when he knew about Irish writers that she didn't know about. The next time she meets him. Yeah, because the first time she, she talks to him, he she, he doesn't know any Irish writers. It seems like, and then right. she says like, give him, make him like I think like a third year university student yeah. in literature or something like that which i was like that's like that's a weird i guess like i mean if you're making a hologram person i guess you know whatever floats your boat but it did seem kind of like a not a great reflection of her that she was like well i wanted to be smart enough to talk to me but i still want to be smarter than him you know yeah. um and then um she uh she says that she wants to make his personality more complicated oh yeah which that, which that doesn't make any so, sense and the com- it was so awkward where i loved it where like she's like, trying to like make him sexier and the computer keeps making her like clarify it she's trying to use this like subtle innuendo and the computer's like please specify yeah and because that doesn't but like yeah it's i don't know how how the computer is supposed to take the idea that he should be more complicated. Like that doesn't, you know, the computer, I think rightly kind of trolls her for, for asking that. And then it ends with her being, I think basically saying one last thing. (laughs) And she kind of pauses and she says, delete the wife, (laughs) which I texted you. And I said, this episode should be called delete the wife. Yes. It's so great. It's such a like because she kind of she it's, says it's it with this sort like of like sinister too like the way she says it. Yeah, it's like she's committing murder. Like she she kind of says it with like this glint in her eye, and she kind of it, it really. Well, that's I'm the not, question: I'm not, is, like, is she like in a world where you have a like credited character of the show that is a hologram? Yeah, and she just sort of removes a hologram from existence. Right. This is what I want to talk about. Yeah, because there's. A, you know, and that's the other scene that's weird to me is the one, is scene where she's talking to the the doctor about this. But clearly, this guy, I mean, he clearly exists in this weird mix of reality and unreality to her because he's real enough that she is attracted to him and wants to like be in some kind of relationship to him. But also, he's clearly not real enough for her to like respect his agency as a person because like she goes in and teaches yeah. all the stuff about him and so like it is the strange thing of like well is he real or isn't he because like if he's not to me if he's not real then what you're doing is weird because like it just seems like you shouldn't be in a relationship with because you know that she wouldn't do this to the doctor because the doctor is a hologram but he is also it appears to be like a sentient thing and so I think it seems like she's not really treating Michael this way as a sentient being, because if she was, deleting the wife would be very unethical. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's such yeah. this, like, it kind of broke my brain. Like, I think there's two, there's sort of two issues that are raised by this episode. And I think we're probably thinking of the same ones. But this is definitely one of them is, and I think it's something that they do address in certain episodes. And I don't know if this is really the best episode that tries to get into this. Um, is like our holograms people or not 
Mm-hmm. And and again, it sort of harkens back to the stuff with data as well. Is that you know if it's an elaborate enough program of artificial intelligence that responds to certain stimuli in certain ways, like at what point does it become elaborate enough that it has the equivalence of sentience? And then does it ever have agency? And does it ever reach the point where where there are morals and ethics regulating how you interact with it? Because mm-hmm. I think part of it's because of sort of the narrative structure of the show and like the doctor's a main character and there's plenty of other sort of holodeck characters that are created and destroyed and come and go but like is it murder to just delete a a program that has and it seems like the answer that everyone on the ship feels is no like that basically that that she doesn't rise to like a letter right but how would they feel if someone was like, okay, well, we need to delete the doctor now to free up some hard drive space? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it, but it, it seems like the implication is that the doctor has like a higher level of sentience and complexity, um, which is like fair enough. But then maybe this is like an old fashioned like sexual ethic, at least in the future. But like to me, then if you're saying that, if you're saying that, oh, well, it's not murder to do this and, and like they're not real, then my feeling would be then don't. Don't invest your time and and your emotions into a relationship with a a fake thing, into a thing that like is not a real person. Like that that seems like unhealthy and bad and weird to me. Right now, there's plenty of video game dating simulators out there. And I think it's fine to like. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's fine to participate in a dating simulator video game, but I think that if you're like, oh, this person is, this is like for real my, yeah, like I think I'm actually for real falling in love with with this this character. Like then I'm like, okay, that's probably not, that's that's not like the best, you know, use, certainly that's not the best use of your time, I would say. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're emotional labor. Did you also find it weird that the person she goes to for advice or to talk about all this is the doctor? Yes, well, that's 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 why the other scene is so weird, is because she's talking about this to him, and kind of it seems like belittling the idea that a hologram is a person, and he's and he weirdly like is not offended by this, and also kind of seems like he agrees with her. It never explicitly says, "Oh, but I'm different," though. Like it's such a strange uh, dynamic, like in that in that scene. Yeah, um, <laughs> I wrote down that the exchanges, the person says. I've become romantically involved with the hologram and the hologram is like, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, couldn't, couldn't he just find out by like talking, like looking it up? Like he's, he's, he's on the same brain as the hologram is, but yeah. Um, so after this delete the wife scene, there's a kind of a pointless scene basically where everyone's eating food in the mess hall and Tuvok is feeling sick. Oh yeah. What did, where did that scene? I forgot about that scene, but it like, wasn't about anything. It was yeah, like no, a it had bit nothing of to do with anything else on the show. Yeah, yeah. So he he's he's feeling sick because uh, Vulcan physiology is affected negatively by the wavefront. Yeah, neutrinos or whatever. Yeah, people people are talking about the movement of the waves, and then Neelix starts talking about some kind of gross food, and it makes Tuvok want to throw up, and then he he leaves, and that's like the whole scene, and then. Um, it, yeah, as you said, it, it has nothing to do with anything else in the episode. Yeah, it's just like this weird... It's the kind of thing that the, that you would maybe put at the beginning of a 
TNG episode where they just sometimes will just do a comedy bit and the cold open right. is not really revisited. I, d- I don't know if it was this scene or a different one, but I, d- I did write down, and I forget exactly which scene I'm referencing when I say it, but I really like when Tuvok acts like just as unamused by Tom Paris's dumb one-liner attempts at jokes as the audience is. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget, but there's one part where like he says something that's just really dumb that he like kind of like looks around like eh, eh? anybody gonna laugh at my joke and Tuvok just gives him like the dirtiest look <laughs> I like Tuvok he's not in this episode very much because he also doesn't go into he being an alien I think has no real I mean, guess Neelix loves this thing but but Tuvok is kind of like I don't I don't really care about Fairhaven so yeah um so Janeway comes back into the holodeck now that she has made uh, Sullivan 2.0. And um, he's now reading at a train station and they talk. And then she, he actually ends up knowing more about Irish authors than she does, which kind of, it seems like it irritates her a little bit. Yeah, that was the impression I got at least. And then um, Chakotay sees them and kind of like picks up that she has a thing with them. And, but then doesn't really say very much else about it. But then later on, she's actually, when they're together uh, on the bridge, she's reading um, a book of poetry, which I think is the first time I've seen a captain doing something like that on the bridge of the ship. But she's reading a book of poetry on the bridge, and it's one of the poets that uh, Sullivan has talked to her about. And he notices and kind of uh, teases her a little bit about... Um, dating this guy and maybe making some changes, which one thing I thought was kind of weird. Maybe, maybe you feel differently because my wife certainly did when I asked her about it, but if someone was three centimeters taller uh, than the last time you saw them and it was not someone you knew very well, like if you went to a bar relatively frequently and the bartender was three, was three centimeters higher and it wasn't like someone you talked to a lot, but like you just kind of saw him, would you immediately be like, Oh, he's, He's an inch and a half taller. Like, do you, would you? I don't even know if someone I know well, I would notice them being three centimeters taller. Like, yeah. unless we were exactly the same height to start with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There, there are multiple people in this episode who immediately pick up on his height difference, and it doesn't seem like this is a main character in Fairhaven that people are just paying attention to all the time. Right. Uh, like. I could definitely, I think, with some people who I know relatively well, I would pick up if they were an inch and a half taller. Although, that's the other thing, too, is that now, obviously, he's a hologram, so you would know, oh, someone could theoretically modify him, his size. But I think if, I, if, if it was a real person who's an adult person, I don't think I would... Even if I saw someone and thought to myself, are they taller? Then I, then I would think to myself, well, no. Like, that's... <laughs> right. The, the, you can't just get taller like that when you're, you know, a middle-aged person but but everyone just immediately knows that he's taller so um anyway Chakotay is kind of teasing her and then she admits that she changed him but is still kind of being defensive about it and then he says I think she says too bad he's made of photons and force fields and then Chakotay says I've never let that stand in my way <laughs> which I just wrote in all caps what does that mean <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah that that line I was like I I don't know what he's trying to say there I mean, I feel like it just means... I mean, I don't know. It's like the obvious interpretation is just means that he has sex in the holodeck a lot. But, yeah. Which is, I mean, I guess uh, clearly people do that. But also, like, that, that doesn't... 
I've never let that stand in my way. That that seems to sound like there's some other kind of obstacle that is beyond the idea that they're uh, photons and force. That it's just a, yeah. Um, And so I just... Just, just he kind of says it with this kind of like dirty look on his face too. It just because like what's such a weird remark. And also like just it seems very not like him in the bit that I've seen of him. Like he kind of seems like even though he's you know with the Maquis part of the of the ship, he seems like a little bit more straight laced than that. He doesn't strike me as someone who's like doing a lot of like amorous goings on in the holodeck. Like he's no he doesn't seem like a Riker type to me. You know. Yeah. No. I if agree. Riker said that like. I feel like that would not be out of character, and you'd know what he was. You'd know exactly what he meant too. You know. Yeah, maybe that is it. Is because Chakotay is more of kind of the he is sort of just like straight laced, like commander type of person. So they talk, and then Janeway goes back into the holodeck, and she is dancing with a bunch of people. And then at one point, she makes the computer whisk away into the cornfield. All the other characters, except for Michael. Then she kisses Michael. Um, and so she's just really having a moment. She's really, it's, she's really in a weird position with this where she clearly likes this guy, but is super embarrassed of it and doesn't think she should be doing it because he's a hologram. And so she's, she's kind of like putting herself through like a lot of uh, personal tor- turmoil about it. And then she likes it, and it, but it also seems like she feels guilty about it. And you kind of find out later that after this, not very long after this, she decides that she's getting too invested in him and she gets rid of all her Irish literature and she doesn't want to go back into the holodeck and she's actually left the holodeck while while Michael was sleeping. Because that's the other thing too, is that now the holodeck is running constantly. During the during the wavefront, uh, Paris yeah. Paris got permission to set it up so that Fairhaven is always active. And so it's running in a real time, so when you're not on in the program, it's still kind of like processing and humming along. So when she's not around, now Michael is aware that she's not around because he's still existing in the holiday. Yeah, and it's kind of wondering where she's been all this time. Yeah, and so um, some of the other people go into the some of the other people on the ship go into the holodeck and. Now Michael is quickly becoming is he's quickly relapsing into alcoholism, um, because he is sad that he basically got dumped and ditched by Janeway, whose name whose fake name in, in Fairhaven is Katie O'Claire, and the other people on the ship don't know that that's her name because she kind of got a nom de, nom de plume, so that way people still wouldn't know what she was doing. But um, Michael ends up getting into a fist fight with Paris, and then. Um, the doctor has to treat them in real life in the sick bay, which is, you know, yet another one of our constant refrains of why can people get hurt in the holodeck? <laughs> yeah. If you have safety protocols, why aren't they just always yep. on? And then the doctor basically eventually figures out that this is that Eau Claire is 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 Janeway, and so he talks to her in the other really, really weird scene in this, I think, that where she basically has a full on freak out talking to the doctor about the, the doctor explains what's happened, and she says, like, what, am I going to write a, a Dear John letter to a hologram? Which is such a strange line. Which is, like, really offensive thing to yeah, say. Yeah, she's to talking a to a hologram. hologram. But he seems to not really be upset by this at all. And he kind of basically says to her, well, who cares if it's real or not? And there is, like, some interesting stuff here, for sure, because... 
he basically says like it doesn't matter whether he's real or not because the effect that he has on your emotions and the other people around him is real and so it's a kind of this existential like thing of you know the, sort of like that idea of like is reality actually real is your delusion or all the matrix or whatever and, and the idea being well who cares like experientially what you experience is real to you which is kind of the the argument he's making and he because he says like if Michael makes a joke and she laughs at it, then the joke was a real joke to her, which is, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Cause again, that goes back to the thing of like, well, then she has to be selective then about what's real and what's not, because then she deleted his wife, you know, it's, it's right. And so then you just took a thing that's just as real as him and just let it not exist anymore. And that's, I think the two things that, and I don't know if they're really parallel or just that this episode gets into both of them. I think that's a big one of them is that specifically like artificial intelligence or just illusion or in reality of kind of what is, what is real and sort of how much weight do, do we give to things like that? And that's a very common refrain for Star Trek with artificial intelligence with, you know, most of the holodeck episodes get into something kind of along those lines. Um, and But I think this scene also sort of gets into the, and sort of the ending also in the same way, kind of gets into the, I guess what you would call like the real world parallel to this. Because like most likely none of us are going to face the ethical dilemma of like, should I delete this hologram's wife yeah. or not? <laughs> um, maybe, you know, you never know. It's 2019. Yeah. But I feel like there's sort of a real-world equivalent. I, I think what this part is sort of about is people who, in real relationships, try to treat the other person in the same way, as though they were just a hologram that they can reprogram. You know, that, that idea that you can kind of change who somebody else's identity is to fit everything that you want them to be. Yeah, which I think is really interesting the way they talk about this, because the doctor says... You know, we always want to change things about our loved ones, but that is an illusion. And I think what kind of, I think one of the reasons why she's kind of panicking about this is that she realizes that she actually does have the power to change this person that she cares about in a way that no one has ever had the power to do in real life. And that essentially, by having this power, you know, you always hope that the people you love will maybe incrementally change for the better like over time but at the same time like if you could just modify the people that you love then that kind of those things the things you would change about them would make them someone who's fundamentally different than the person that you fell into love with to begin with yeah and and part of that process i think is is kind of like learning to appreciate and to love the things about them that aren't necessarily what you would have chosen but are part of what makes them them yeah and so she feels like because she doesn't have to do that it's essentially cheating like you're you're getting the benefits of of a relationship with that degree of depth but cheating away all of the kind of the parts of it that are work or that are require personal growth or adaptation on your own part yeah and i think she's right i think she's i think she's right to feel that way you know she kind of her biggest panic moment is that they're hanging out and he is snoring and she thinks to herself well i could just make the computer not make him snore anymore and then she just realized oh if i do that i can just do whatever i want all the time and then 
then I'm even less having a real relationship with somebody because it's not even real on my end anymore, you know, because that's not how relationships work. Um, right. And yeah, because, because that, you know, ultimately that's not going to require any growth on her part. She's, it's, she's going to create someone who conforms a hundred percent to her will. I, I don't know. I, I, I found that really interesting and fascinating. And I think that the way that she kind of goes into this panic state about it, I think is she does a really good job. I did not love this episode as a whole, but I found this, this part of it pretty interesting the implications of it. And I think it's like, you know, it's, it's well performed and stuff too. Um, yeah, I agree. There's also a, a brief moment, uh, where they're talking and the doctor essentially asks if she had sex with them. And she says, she says none of your business, but we basically, but we had a good time, which is, which just means yes. Yeah. Like that means, that means yes. <laughs> I'm not going to say the word yes, but yeah. yes. <laughs> right. I just, I never knew. I never, I mean, I knew that there were some episodes like this, but when we started this podcast, I did not know that like every third episode we were going to be talking about bonking on the holodeck. I just didn't realize that was that <laughs> common of a, of a topic, but. I mean, that's, that's sort of what they say though, right? Is like, if the holodeck was a real thing, like that's most likely what a lot of people would use it. It for. would be used used for, but yeah, I mean it's true. But it's just I just didn't think it was that. It, it's it's interesting <laughs> too because I think that these shows mostly predate the really common use of the internet. You know, I mean, I mean, I I was this this episode came out in two yeah. thousand, so the internet was definitely a thing by this point, but it was not like the kind of like monolithic thing that it is now. And so certainly, like you know, when the shows started using the holodeck when when tng did that was in like what 80, 89 i think and so it really kind of like weirdly predicts sort of the ubiquity of how easy and kind of like varied like people's sexual preferences can be catered to yeah. on sort of the rule 34 aspect yeah yeah like it, which is i think pretty interesting I, I mean, maybe that's just a really honest thing on the writer's part where they're like, well, I mean, I guess if you had this, I guess you'd use it for this is probably use it what, to for your whatever your fetish is, which is. And it's something that is less as like a major story point as it is in, I think, some of the episodes we've watched. But it's definitely something that gets kind of offhandedly referenced a lot in Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. because like Quark's bar has a like purely recreational holodeck that kind of the sort of the way they talk about it, and they never come out and say it, but sort of the way they talk about it is the implication is that it's basically, like, it's the holodeck that you go to and have, like, crazy sex. It's the holodeck you have to clean a lot The holographic more. fantasy women or men or, like, kind of holographic sexual fantasies. But, uh, <laughs> um, anyway, I found this scene, like, just so odd, but also, like, kind of interesting and just very strange. But, like... In an engaging way, certainly. Um, and so she kind of ends ends the scene, you know, with uh, sort of an uncertainty about what she should be doing going forward. And then um, after this, the neutrino wavefront kind of comes to an head and it's threatening to break up the ship. And so the, the science solution this time is that the ship is going to basically transfer almost all of its power into just shooting like a beam of energy at the wavefront to try to break it up faster so they can get out. Yeah. And um, that includes channeling the power from the holodecks without the proper, you know, basically like they, they're unplugging the computer before they, before they save the program. And so uh, it might mess up the program. 
and uh, Janeway kind of has to think about it for a second. Then she says, "All right, go, go, do it." And they do it, and it works. And they kind of find it at the end that they're they're out of the wavefront, but now a bunch of the program has been messed up, which I wrote down. Like apparently. The, they don't have backups in the future. Like apparently, apparently, you can't like back up your files. There's not like a hard drive that they get. The program's not actively being projected. It just yeah. Paris doesn't have like a USB drive in his room, um, and uh, so Paris kind of knows that she kind of has a thing for Michael, and so he kind of goes to her and kind of without actually saying like should we, should I try to save Michael? Because it basically says I can save about ten percent of this before it all gets corrupted beyond repair and i'll I'll have to i'll I'll probably remake the 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 town from scratch later but like what should i it won't be the same and so what he kind of says to her like well what 10 percent should i keep without without explicitly saying like do you want me to keep your not boyfriend and uh she um doesn't really answer but then ends up going back to the holodeck and deciding to save michael's character um, but kind of tells them that she won't be able to see him for a while because in in her time it's going to be several weeks before the the program is viable again. And then she kisses him, and then but she ends the program. But then she tells the computer, "Don't let me make any more changes to this guy." So bas- basically, like she kind of decides on this compromise of, "Well, I am going to continue to have a relationship with this computer man, and I, maybe you know if she if he ends up showing up again." Um, but she decides, well, I'm going to make it a little bit more of a real, a real relationship because I'm not going to allow myself to make any more changes to him. Yeah, so she essentially kind of fixes him in whatever state he happens to be at that time. And so with kind of the, the understanding being that from then on, she'll just have to learn to live with him that way as though he were any other person rather than being able to change him anymore. Mm-hmm. Does he come back? Does he... Is Michael... I don't remember. I know there's at least one more episode... Like, I think they do have more things where they'll, like... Where Fairhaven will be there. Like, sometimes it's just... I think... If I remember right, it becomes sort of... Like, the the one bar in Next Generation that uh, that they'll go to now and then. Like, one of those places that people will just sort of periodically go and hang out in the holodeck to like have a nice little peaceful time i know there's at least one more kind of major story that happens there but i don't remember if he's in it or not yeah, memory alpha says that he's he is in one more episode okay mostly because i remember the the other guy seamus being like heavily featured in at least one more episode the like very irish guy yeah yeah apparently in there's also a a Voyager novel where she visit she visits him one mass, last time, and okay. tells him that she that she made it home and then he's happy and, and then she deactivates him for the last time. So, which is again like weird because that's 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 another acknowledgement of like well, I just needed you to like kind of get through this kind of lonely bad time of my life and now now I don't need to like think about you anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're good now. But um. Here's a weird little thing that's not in my notes, but uh, in I was just looking through like the the quotes section in Memory Alpha for this episode because I wanted I wanted to see if "Delete the Wife" was one of the memorable quotes, which it is, <laughs> of course. But uh, there's a part that I just kind of t- take a note of earlier in the episode where uh, Seamus 
says to the doctor who is who is pretending to be a priest that he oh, yeah. that he's broken the fifth commandment and <laughs> i did I, I did want to bring that up yeah and so the uh the doctor says say 10 our fathers and call me in the morning now now it notes in the notes that now i i was could be wrong about this but i thought that the fifth commandment was um the sabbath uh but then it says well because this is in catholicism the fifth commandment is uh, you shall not kill, which is like a funny, like that's that's like a weird, like he's like us, oh, because he's very casual about it. He says, uh, "Father, I broke it. I'm sorry." Which is like, so he's just like casually yeah. admitting to murder. Well, so this this is the thing. This this sent me down a little bit of a like Wikipedia rabbit trail because I realized how little I know about Irish history. Because uh-huh. it's, I like had this moment of just like, wait a second, what is the fifth commandment? Yeah, same. So Protestants and Catholics number the commandments differently. Mm-hmm. We are both we are both from uh, Protestant backgrounds, by the way. Yes, yes, and for Protestants, it's I believe it's honor your father and mother, but in in Catholicism, because of how they number it, it is thou shalt not murder. And so then I was like, is this in Northern Ireland then? Because a big part of that I clearly know very little about. So any of our listeners who know more about Irish history than me can feel free to correct me or be offended by me. Um, but a big part of the history of Ireland has, and like the conflicts that they've had to deal with has been based on religion, that sort of many of the people were Catholic for most of their history, and then when the country was ruled by the British, they sort of forced Protestantism on on them, and, and then sort of persecuted all of the, the Catholics. Mm-hmm. So, so this is where I kind of did a little digging, because either... Again, either Fairhaven is a predominantly Protestant town, or or Seamus did actually kill somebody. Yeah, <laughs> is the is the options here? It's a funny bet either way because like the the mystery is um is is kind of tantalizing, but yeah, right. Um, yeah, uh, so that's I mean that's that that's that's the end of the episode is that she kind of decides to to hang on to him. Um, I, I, I we pretty thoroughly covered what I had written down because basically all I'd written down was just about those two different scenes. Um, yeah. You know, any other observations that you had about this episode? I don't think so. I think that was pretty much. Okay. Pretty much it. It was overall. Uh, if, uh, yeah. It it had some some mo- mostly those two things and kind of the questions they raise or like the points they make. I thought were were interesting, like kind of worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. Overall, I don't know that it was a great episode, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean the the mil the milieu is not super interesting to me personally. I know I'm sure some people were very clearly the writers were charmed by like the 19th century Ireland setting. I think that's why I kind of yeah. asked you at the beginning, you know, what <laughs> you would do because that's just not even if I was simply relegated to back in time, that's not. Where I would go, I don't think. Where it is like some like pastoral scene. And yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, I would probably just pick like holographic Disney World or something. <laughs> like, yeah, just like, and then uh, delete, del- and then delete, delete the, the tourists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but uh, yeah, they can't. They can never show that though on on the show because of rights. But yeah, you you'd think that like a lot of people That's would right. be like. You know, go back. I know, to, does, does Disney not own Star Trek yet? Uh, I'm no, surprised not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I think that's whoever over over on CBS, whatever CBS is part of right now. Is, um, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you'd think that with all these lines, they'd probably be like, "Computer, take me to Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge." But uh, <laughs> that's right. They um, did. This is this dating when the episode came out. But, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say um, <laughs> very timely. Yeah, but can't can't show that. that. That would be a strange. That would be a strange thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I would think that if I lived in the future, I would probably be pretty amused by like old versions of what versions the of the future I mean, Tomorrowland. <laughs> yeah i mean i was i definitely on back to the future two today i did watch back to the future two to to laugh at um at yeah. all of the things in that newspaper about like what what life was going to be like um which I, I think always the funniest thing about that that that's no, not fun it's 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 funny it's not like funny funny because of the circumstances surrounding it but i think one of the most interesting things about that prediction those predictions is that this one of the predictions is something about Queen Diana doing something, which is Aww. it's sad wrong because obviously there never was nor will there be a Queen Diana who they're referring to, but also it's funny wrong because that assumed that the then queen would be dead <laughs> or not be the queen still. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> true. Still, I, I didn't even going. think about that side of it, yeah. but yeah, like nope, it's still yeah. the same yeah. queen. Even if even if Diana hadn't died, that it still would be wrong because she wouldn't be queen yet, which I just think is yeah, that's right. It's pretty funny, but um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, I think that's all we have for this episode. Um, our next episode we're going to be doing is uh, which will come out in, in two weeks. It's uh, TNG. The next generation, uh, season one, episode twenty-one, called "The Arsenal of Freedom," uh, sounds kind of like a like a Bush era like military program or something, maybe. But <laughs> right. um, so that would be the next one we watch. So you can watch along and and listen to the next episode if you'd like. Uh, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at contracts that's c o n t r e k s, or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail um, so feel free to give us feedback there. Our website is outofcontracts.podbean.com and you can get our podcast there or through iTunes or wherever else. So thank you guys very much for listening. It's been a, it's been a fun one. Yeah. Bye everybody. Bye.